0: Hello and welcome to Basic Folk, a podcast where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. Folk being a very broad kind of catch-all term because today, excited to be talking to a gospel musician, Almeida Ingram Miller of the legendary Ingramettes is working to preserve the legacy of her mother, Maggie. Maggie was born in 1930 in Georgia. She taught herself piano in order to nurture her gift of singing. She would sing while working in the cornfields as a young girl. And she moved to Florida after marrying at 16 and having three children. Almeida's father left the family, which led Maggie to pursuing music as a way to provide for her children. She actually got all of her kids to sing because... There were no child care options. After moving to Richmond, Virginia, Maggie, who was always trying to do the right thing, got involved in a lot of social justice issues. She opened her home as a halfway house for women just out of prison. She would provide transportation to families visiting incarcerated relatives and delivered free food to the needy. In our interview, Almeida reflects on what it was like to grow up with such an amazing woman, not only as a mother but as a musical partner. Singing with her mother was unlike anything else. Almeida would sing back up and acted as a sparring partner. Almida talks about what it's like to keep her mother's story and mission alive through music, as well as including her own identity in that work. This was an absolute pleasure and honor to speak to the very inspiring Almida. We're going to take a listen to a song from the latest album from the legendary Ingram Metz. This song is called The Family Prayer, and then we'll get to our conversation with the very inspiring Almida Ingram Miller from the legendary Ingram Metz on Basic Folk. Almeida, thank you so much for talking to me today.
1: Well, thank you, Cindy, for for inviting me to the podcast. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Oh, great. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, your story actually starts with your mother, um, Maggie Ingram, who was born in Coffee County, Georgia in 1930, and it seems as though... No one else in her family was musically inclined, but she taught herself piano and discovered that she had a gift of singing and would sing while working in the cornfields. And what do you know about your mother's experience that started off with her singing while working in the fields, and how do you think that shaped the vocalist she would become and then also maybe, how did that experience shape the way she taught you how to sing? I
1: really do, and and I really do believe that 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 experience is what shaped um, her 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 gifts. I, I I believe that that was a gift from God to her, but that um, having to. Uh, it would shape what what she would do later on. In that, uh, just about all of the music we sing, we sing about experiences, true experiences, in you know, in her life and now even in our lives. Uh, you are correct in that she's the only person in her family uh, that uh, was musically inclined. Her family was um, a family of uh, sharecroppers in uh, Coffee County, Georgia, a little little town called Douglas uh, in Coffee. County and um, share what sharecroppers are. You you will work the land, um, and what you get is a share of the crops. Uh, it's very little money, and so now you're just barely uh, making enough to feed your family. And what you cannot, uh, you know, grow yourself. What those things that you need to buy shoes or or those type of goods, uh, you you get credit at. At the store, at the at the the, the, the country store, um, and so it's a system that perpetuates you to be in debt, and and you never really work yourself out of debt because you're never paid enough uh, to get out of debt, and uh, and so that situation, though it might seem um, hopeless, I believe it was the music. Um, it, it, it was the music that kept her hope alive, that kept that fire, uh, uh, lit in her. She did, um, just sit down to the piano, um, an old upright piano in the barn there. Uh, they worked on a, a cotton plantation. It was owned by the Mulholland family. That family is still in Douglas, Georgia, by the way. I, I looked them up not too long ago, and uh, the the cotton plantation was owned by uh, the Mulholland family. Uh, mm. She the 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 quarters, the mill quarters, is what they called them, um, which would have been in earlier times referred to as as slave quarters. Uh, people are always very uh, surprised when. They learned that I am only two generations removed from someone born on a slave plantation, and and you look at me here in 2021, and you go, "Oh, that was hundreds and hundreds of years ago." Well, not so long ago, yeah. because I'm my my grandmother was born on Mulholland's that that same plantation. So yeah. it you know that I believe that the music that that God deposited in her not only to keep her hope alive but uh here is here is a gift that would keep on giving even in even in later years. And she mm-hmm. is the only person in her family that plays or sings or, or and it did shape um, i believe it, it it did shape the way that she taught us to sing because she did find herself in in a situation uh she married my dad his family was a sharecropping family as well the ingram family her maiden name is dixon and the and the The Ingram family was a sharecropping family on the same plantation. She married my dad at the ripe old age of 16. Mm. And um, after uh, my three brothers were born, he moved the family to Miami, Florida, because he had family there. And um, they felt that the situation economically would be better for them if they were able to get off the plantation. And, you know, they've got this growing family. Uh, we got to Miami, Florida. The family got to Miami, Florida, and that is where my sister and I were born. We were actually born um, in uh, Dade County in, in Miami, Florida. And so once we got there uh, with five children now, that that got to be a bit much for a dad. He, he really just literally abandoned the family down there in Florida. And the only thing I remember her hearing her as a child to consistently pray, God, just help me keep my family together. I just mm-hmm. want to keep my family together. She was only like 20. She was in her 20s and she's wow. got five children and uh you know several family members lord love them uh, they they thought they were helping when they said well if you send me the boys i i i have a i had a uncle with a tobacco um Mm-hmm. Uh, plantation in North Carolina. He just wanted the boys. He didn't he said, "Well, I can't use your girls. But just send me your boys and I'll I'll let them work on the farm and I'll send you something every month." Then I have another aunt, um uh, she had a, a a sister up in New Jersey. She said, "Well, if you send me your oldest daughter, I could kind of train her to help me take care of my mother-in-law. But the little one is too little and I don't have any use for your boys." So, you know, mm-hmm. family members they they How were giving were you? her. I at, at at that time, my dad had left us uh, in 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 nineteen like fifty six. I was like four, going on like five. Wow. And yeah, yeah. And so uh, these you were going to take care of
0: a, an elderly person. Well,
1: well, hey, you, I actually, you know, when when you're when you're little and you you have responsibilities, I grew mm-hmm. up helping take care of my little sister and even my brothers who were all older than me, because that's what the oldest daughter does. Mm -hmm. That's our culture. That's our, you know, that's the belief. That's what the oldest daughter does. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that, that kind of, to them, those were viable options for, for this young mother who, you know, you're young enough to, you know, find somebody else, but nobody's going to want you with five kids. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> that, you know, maybe if you didn't have so many kids, but it, it was just her goal that Lord help me yeah. keep my family together. That's wow. that's what that was her consistent prayer to keep the family together. And so that shaped the way she taught us to sing, because that is what he said. He it, it, she tells the story all the time. She's says, God says, what do you have and she remembered the, 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 the story of, of Moses when he gets to the Red Sea with a rod in his hand and the sea is in front of them and Pharaoh's army is behind him. And, and God says, what do you have in your hand? Well, I have nothing here except a rod. And what do you have, Maggie? I don't have anything but the five children. So I'm going to make a way for you through the five children. And, and and I believe it. I, I I believe, as she has told us so many times before, that that is what inspired her, that while other children were outside playing hopscotch and the little boys playing marbles, we were sitting in the, in the little living room in the little two, three room house we lived in. And she had us sitting in a circle. Uh, she had broken a, a, a branch off one of the trees to use that to beat time and keep time, to teach us timing when we sang. And she mm-hmm. sat us around in a circle and taught all of us each of the parts that we would we would later sing
0: how did the kids take to the music Um, and then also how did she present this like new reality of being a family band to the children
1: that you got to remember it's a different time now and children do what they're told and you don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you don't question. Back Back, back then, it, it, it was a different day. It, it didn't really matter if we wanted to do it or not. It was what we were told we were going to mm-hmm. have to do. We did know the reality of our situation. I You know, I, I hear that a lot of times from people. Oh, we were poor, but we didn't know we were poor. Cindy, we were poor and we yeah. knew we were poor. Um, my mama had three boys and for a long time only owned two pair of pants, so that when it was time to go to school, two of the boys went to school and one stayed home. The next day, the one that stayed home, he went with one of the other boys, and then the other boys stayed at home. And that wow. went on for quite a while until she got 75 cents together and went to the Goodwill store and bought a third pair of pants. No, we were poor and knew we were poor. So the reality of, of what was going on with us, we we knew that. Did, did we understand that uh, you know, singing as a group together. We didn't understand it. But my mom, my mom, my mom understood it because her first group encountered singing was not with the Ingramets. My mom sang with, you know, with choirs in the church and, you know, they had little groups there in Miami. Um, th- that she had sang with before she started singing with a group called the six trumpets. This was a male quartet. And so our music has always our traditional gospel music has always been um, uh, the male followed the male quartet genre. And um, it 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 wasn't like the 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 female uh, contemporary singers that you hear today. It it was always that 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 hard gospel, um, the traditional gospel feel, uh, traditional gospel tempos. But the music was always a song written about her life, and so we understood. We mm-hmm. understood when she when she you know. When she sang songs to us and, and um, that that we were we were actually singing a, about our life, but that we always were presented with the option of hope because of your faith. Hmm. So the songs always present that that option. So the song might start out a little rough, but by the time it gets to the end. <laughs> There's rejoicing and there's hope. So
0: (laughs) it sounds like there was a lot of gospel music, maybe only gospel music in your house growing up. And I'm wondering, um, and, and that is the style of music that your mother taught you and, and your siblings to sing, um, and there's also like this talk of that there was no rock and roll, there was no pop music in your house growing up. Can you just like break down for, for those who don't know like the difference between gospel music and other types of, of music that we might hear and think is gospel music?
1: Ah uh, okay well, um, here just to be just to be very clear and honestly, gospel music uh, that that music, Genre. Those other genres of music, the blues and and rock and roll. See, the only difference there are the words. You'll find the same melodies. You'll find the same syncopations. You'll you'll find even some of the same melodies. Uh, between rock and roll and gospel music. Now you're you're correct in that. That's the only music that was played in the house when I was growing up. But but here's here's the kicker. It 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 wasn't it wasn't African American gospel music that we grew up on. Our roots are deep in the South. This is Coffee County, Georgia, and the only thing that you're going to hear there is Southern gospel music, and none of that's being sang by people who look like us. Wow. And so I woke up every Sunday morning. Um, uh, uh, Grandma had this uh, radio uh, in, in in her house, at, ran by batteries, and her little church would go down to the radio station on Sunday morning, and they had a little 15-minute broadcast where the preacher preaches, you know, on Sunday morning. You get to hear it over the radio. But every Sunday morning, I woke up to uh, uh, the lyrics of the song, On a Sunday morning in Dixie, listen to the church bells ring. And so that yeah, it was it, it was the the uh, the cathedrals and and I grew up on the Happy Goodman singers and it it was it was not the music that we sing i mm. i grew up listening And those are the with.
0: happy happy goodland singers are white gospel singers Absolutely they,
1: yeah yeah oh, wow. and uh, yeah we i i grew up listening to to you know those those quartets but this that's the only music that was on the radio at the time and right. um so even though we we grew up with with that kind of music, there there was there was in in our in our culture we we had uh, black. Black quartets, and now you go all the way back. Now you go all the way back to you know the Fairfield Four. You got you go way back. You go way back to Reverend Julius Cheeks and the Sensational Nightingales, and and yeah, you these are the people and that we would eventually uh, get to share the stage with some of them. But Mm. there was no there was no other music. Gospel music is rooted in 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 Bible. Gospel means good news and it's good news uh, that that's written in the Bible, that no matter how bad things are going for you, this is going to you know, this goes all the way back to when african ancestors were brought over here on slave ships and so uh, you know the masters bring them to church with them and and our ancestors hear this story about how these people are in egypt enslaved and then how this how this god with his great power and strength he gets them out of slavery into freedom. And, hmm. and so my ancestors would sit up in the balcony of the church because they weren't allowed to sit down on the lower level with the slave masters. And they would listen to this message and, and somebody got to thinking, okay, if this thing works out for the Israelites, why not us? Hmm. And, and they begin to believe that, 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 that these things can really happen for them. And out of that is birthed a uh, Harriet Tubman. Somebody who really, <laughs> really, mm. really believes that if 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 this great God, because we came over here not knowing uh, the the Christian uh, uh, God, Africans have always had uh, belief. Uh, but you know, and some people say, oh no, uh, they 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 worship the the trees, and but no, what who they worship is somebody greater. They they even back then they knew, oh man, this big ocean that we're on, somebody other than us had to create this. So they've always had this belief in a higher power, in a higher being. Just didn't have structure put to it until they get to this, this land where they're treated harshly and forced to work as slaves. And somebody listens to this 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 gospel message, this message in the Bible, because Christianity is, is supposed to, you know, tame these savage, you know, Africans. And they listen to this thing and they grab a hold of this and say, look, if this thing worked for, Hey, this just might work for us. How about Mm -hmm. we ask this God, how about we ask this God for freedom? Yeah. It, it, um, it, so that, that is, that, that is what gospel music is entrenched in. It is rooted in that. And, and yes, they sang that in the fields because that gave them hope, that gave them hope. I could not imagine. It is so, it is just, it's, it's really strange because we we were traveling to South Carolina and um, I looked back in the van when Sonny and Mommy was back there. She was just crying. I said, What's, you, you okay? She said, I'm just thinking about it. That, you know, we just, we're complaining because it took us six hours to drive from Richmond uh, down here to Lake City, South Carolina. Can you imagine our ancestors walked they walked, hmm. they walk, couldn't walk during the day, walked from South Carolina past Virginia because that was still, um, you know, that wasn't far enough away from the Mason-Dixon line. Right. And, and, and we're sitting here complaining because we've only we've only had two breaks in the van. Well, while... <laughs> so, yeah, but that's gospel music is entrenched in that. And, and so she just looks at her life. And, and no, we're not allowed to listen to the rock and roll music. We're not, while well, all of this is going on as little mm-hmm. kids. But if you fast forward, if you fast forward, yeah, I later in, in years, because I do have formal training in music, I now begin to have an appreciation for all types of music and to mm-hmm. see how it can all wrap together. And so you will hear that. Uh, the album that, that we just did uh, Take a look in the book um, We re- we did a cover of Bill Withers' Grandma's Hands Because to me That song is just a pure gospel You know, I know it's Bill Withers And I- <laughs> <laughs> but but it's grandma's hands You know, clapped in church on Sunday morning Grandma's hands played the tambourine so well It's exactly <laughs> what happened to me Grandma's hand used to issue out a warning You know, me, don't you run so fast You might fall on a piece of glass There might be snakes there in that grass Grandma's hand used to hand me a little piece of candy Grandma's hand picked me up each time I felt To me, that's just classic gospel I, I, I know it's Bill Withers, but I, you know I have a great appreciation uh, for that music. I really do.
0: So let's take it back. Everybody moved. um, Your mom moved everybody to Richmond, Virginia, because one of your brothers had a heart condition and you needed to live in a cooler climate. Um, How old were you? When that happened, and what was it like when you when you first arrived, and how did you like your new town?
1: I was nine years old. I'll never forget it. It was Christmas Eve of 1961. We pulled into Richmond, Virginia. I'll never forget it. I remember. I remember the entire trip, just like it. Because you got to understand, now there is no Interstate 95 that connects Florida to Virginia. Okay, you you got to understand, and this is 196. One, um, we've not yet evolved into all the wonderful civil rights that are to come, um, and we gotta go through every little town between Florida and. Virginia, which means Georgia and South Carolina and North Carolina and that was a scary ride, Cindy. That mm. <laughs> it that that was in the day. Mommy's got a nineteen fifty six green and white Chevy Bel Air. She bought it from one of the, 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 the white students over at University of Miami and he sold it to her. And that's back in the day when you could let a child ride up in the air pocket that, that in the back seat. You got this space between the back seat and the the rear window, and my sister, she was a little girl. She she rode there. Um, yeah, they'll probably pull you over and give you a ticket now if you try to do that. But <laughs> <laughs> back in those days, nobody now no seat belts, none of that stuff. But um, yeah, when we got when we got here, it was Christmas Eve, December in Virginia means cold and snow. And so we leave this tropical climate. We didn't even own a sweater. My mom had to try to go to the Goodwill uh, store and, and try to find a sweater for us before we left Florida. And so we get here. Uh, We get to Richmond, Virginia, and the pastor of our church, we belong to Wells Temple Church of God in Christ. That's actually still down in Miami. And um, uh, our pastor uh, contacted uh, the bishop here in Virginia for the Church of God in Christ. That was David C. Love, Bishop Love, and said, hey, listen, I got some members. They're coming there. They don't know anybody. But, you know, she says that God has told her this is the place for her to go and uh, she and her five children are coming and by the time we got here uh, one of the deacons, uh, the pastor had arranged um, a little house over on Eighth Street downtown Richmond. There were some row houses on North Eighth Street. If you go there now, um, J. Sargent Reynolds Community College downtown campus is there. is built on that site now. But uh, that's where we that's where we went. Um, it had a big potbelly stove in the front room. Um, mommy went down in the basement and got some coal out of the basement. It was you put coal in the stove and um, built a fire and uh, laid us around the coal stove and we spent our first night in our new land, in the new land Mm -hmm. for us, which was Richmond, Virginia.
0: Uh, We've talked about this a little bit. You grew up in the segregated South and have experienced some pretty terrible things as a young African-American, which I can let you expand on. And um, you've talked about how you channel those experiences when performing. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: I can. I can and and we did grow up in in segregated south. On I I I often um, tell this story on our way here, on our way to Richmond, Virginia. Now I'm 9 years old and my mom is is driving and she's so tired. We're we're in South Carolina now and she can't drive another She's. I got to pull over and get some rest. And the only place to pull over is a service station that's that's not that's just not open. We don't see lights on it. We pull in there and she pulls into the parking lot and I look up and I say, mommy, there's a sign there that says white only. We can't we can't stop here. And she looks at me and she says, I know I, I see that but but we'll be okay you guys just get some sleep i'm just going to sleep for a minute and no sooner had i said that than th- there was here comes somebody uh, oh my god just the biggest white guy in, in in coveralls and a and and a oh my goodness he comes to the window of the car and he knocks on it and he says hey gal you 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 can't you can't you can't stop here, and she says, "Sir, listen, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, it's just me and my children. I'm not gonna let them get out of the car. We're not gonna get. Out. I just need to get some rest. And if you just let me get a little rest here, I, I I promise you, as soon as I as soon as I sleep for an hour or so, I'll get up and we'll drive on, and we you know we'll be out of your way. So he he turns on his heel and he walks back into the service station. He comes back out with a chair and the biggest shotgun I have ever seen in my life. Well, it's nine years old. I guess any shotgun would be big. (laughs) He, he, he takes the chair and he slammed it down on the, on the, 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 the the sidewalk there in front of the store. He sits in it and he sits the rifle across his lap and he says, y'all go ahead on and sleep. I'm going to watch over y'all while you sleep. About, about three, four hours later, he knocks on we, we saw the sheriff's car come through not not long after Mama was asleep, with the lights and everything and And I looked out the window I peeked and I saw him wave the sheriff on uh, a few hours later he he wakes my mama up, he taps on the window and uh he says you all right in there she said yeah we we were just getting ready to go he said well before you go you you take the children on in the restroom and get them washed up and everything and and uh and y'all use the restroom and then you, you 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 can come on and go we come out we get back in the car he's got some little bags he says listen have you eaten she said well no and he's got some little nab little crackers and sodas out of his machine there and he gives that to mama and then he says gal have you got gas to get where you going? And and she says, Well, I, I was gonna stop at the next uh, uh colored service. he said, Well you back your car up to the, the station here. I'm gonna fill up your tank. Now you gotta now you gotta understand that the gas back in those days was was 17 cents a gallon. So <laughs> we mm. we filled up the tank with seventeen cents a gallon gas and 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 we were able to come on into Virginia. So though every time we've had any, you know, Oh my goodness! And we've had we've had a lot of experiences where it didn't turn out like that. But you think right. about the one that did turn out like that, Gosh, and, you and must that have been scared like, out of your my, mind when you I saw gotta that tell
0: shotgun. You, I gotta tell you, <laughs> what's gonna we, happen here?
1: <laughs> listen, at my grandma's house there in 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 Georgia, she kept us during the summers, and I'll never forget the the morning that we couldn't go outside to play. And uh, we just wondered why, because every morning we got up and did the same thing. You go outside and you play in the dirt and you make mud pies and, you know, and, you you, you know, so we couldn't go out that Sunday. And she just told us and, you know, be real whining and wanting to go out. And she's telling us, be quiet. I want you all to go back in your room once you to get back in the bed. But this signs up, get back in the bed. And, and what had happened, someone had been lynched on the tree outside of our house mm-hmm. and um, they had sent for some of the deacons from the church. Church to come and cut him down and she's sitting there up against the door with a rusty old rifle across her lap And that's where she had slept all night long up against the door because she didn't know, you know, if they were going. They knew that there were black people living in the little house there because that's all that was in that area. Us and the little lady's um, little house attached to ours. And uh, she didn't know if they were going to get all crazy and try to come in and and lynch us. So she sits up all night with the rusty rifle across her lap, praying that, you know, they don't come in. But we couldn't come outside because uh, someone had been lynched on a tree outside of the house so wow. yeah we we've seen the other side of it we've seen hmm. the other side of it as well but um it it, it to me it just it, it makes it it when when something happens like what happened at that service station in south carolina and and i would have to get a little older before i could appreciate what the man did that he actually put himself in harm's way to protect us
0: hmm Can you talk about what it was like to sing with your mom? You sang um, backup for her, but you also acted as a vocal sparring partner, which what, Um, what does that mean? And then how is it different to do it with your mom?
1: Oh my goodness. Oh, listen to if people ask me who's your favorite singer? My mom. Hands <laughs> down. My mom is the greatest look, no, she's just the greatest singer. My mom could do more sitting in a wheelchair than most people could do standing up. I mm-hmm. I got to tell you there was there was a specialness about her and it is it is called an anointing. It is called an anointing that she could sing the same song That someone else could sing, but, but the, the, the music just lifted itself up and, and you, you could feel the things that she was feeling when she sang. And that's the, that's the difference. She, she was a, a powerhouse. And now you got to remember, I was trained to sing back up for her. Mm -hmm. From a little child, when when she sat us around in the circle, I wasn't but about four years old and my sister was maybe three or something like that, two going on three. You got to remember, she trained us to sing back up for her. Mm -hmm. So so coming up through the coming up through the years to me, I man, that that was the greatest thing I was ever going to do was, you know, to sing backup for her. But as as I got older, as I got older, she and even even then. I didn't know it, but even then, she was preparing me to do the work with the group that I'm doing now. She was preparing mm-hmm. me for this even then. And yes, I did. I listen. Uh, several of our recordings, you'll hear somebody in the background. They'll say, "Sing, Mama," and and that's me. And 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 mm-hmm. and that's me. It's always a call and response. It's the same thing as a call and response. You hear it. You hear it. Uh, 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 that's the kind of singing uh, that grew out of our African American culture. Because we could not afford songbooks or sheet music or or things, and, and, and so a lot of the songs that we do, it's call and response, and, and that 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 the leader would say something, and then the the congregation would say something back to the leader based on what the leader had said, and and that's the kind of that's the kind of of, of sparring partner that I was with her. I all of those things just to say I hear you and I understand mm-hmm. and I know why that makes you feel good. Yeah. 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 I hear you. <laughs> Say some more. Somebody else needs to hear. Th- yeah, that's what that's really uh, what that's all about. That's really what that's all about. And I I, I loved every minute of singing back up with her because I was that's what I was trained to do. That's what I was trained to do. It wasn't until very late. It wasn't until, you know, I, I was in like my. Oh, my goodness. I was in my. 40s before I actually began to to look at um, taking a a, a, a co leadership uh, situation with her, and that's because she wanted it that way. Because she wanted the group to go on, she wanted the the legacy of of the Mets She wanted that to continue, even when she was no longer physically able to do it.
0: Hmm. It's just so interesting to think of her planning for a future without herself um, and I'm wondering how in those plans how did that help you adjust and deal with reality as she got older okay
1: so it 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 um it didn't help it I didn't want to do this <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I thought my mom would just be here forever until we all got tired of doing this. I it, it's very funny because I, I I'm an ordained Baptist minister. I just preached a sermon about two Sundays ago. About Elijah and Elisha, his 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 protege, and um, uh, Elijah being uh, uh, being taken up in a whirlwind, and and dropping his mantle, uh, and Elisha on the ground, seeing his master taken away to heaven, and he picks up the mantle, but he asks him, "Listen, what can I do for you before I go?" And he says, "All I want is a double portion of the anointing that's on your life." I, if you would just, he said, well, if you see me when I'm gone, it'll be yours. And so Elisha picks up the mantle. And, but, but here is what, here is what I didn't understand at the time when I sat there at my mom's bedside and, and all of this played out just she and I, because I had brought her home to live with me and because that's what oldest daughters do. Um I, I brought her home to live with me uh, by the time she got, uh, had, had, had begun to get stage four Alzheimer's uh, the only thing that she would remember would be the music Now, she could still sing every verse, every line, and sing it in any, if she was singing the, the, whatever part she was singing, the soprano, the alto, she could sing. When I would take her to the doctor's, Cindy, and he, you know, he was gauging how much of her memory she still had, and he'd say, Mrs. Ingram, can you, can you repeat these, um, numbers? Four, five, seven. And she would just look at him. And he said, okay, um, let me try another one. Two, one, six. And I, and I, and I, and I, I would stop him. I would say, no, you're asking her the wrong thing. And I would begin to sing. I would begin to sing the song, a, a, a hymn. I would say, Oh, how I love Jesus. And she joined right in, in harmony with me. Oh, <laughs> how I love Jesus. Oh, How I love Jesus because he first loved me. And the doctor would sit there and scratch his head and say, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter what song I sang, she could still sing it. But she couldn't remember, you know. And, and at one point, I i don't think she really knew who I was. She just, but she always thought about her dad. She says, Daddy coming to get us? Is Daddy coming to get us? And that, that's, that's how I could get her to get dressed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Daddy's mm-hmm. coming. And, and I'm like, Oh, Lord, please forgive me for this. I'm, I'm just, yeah, Daddy's mm-hmm. coming to get us. We got to get dressed now. And oh, she just gets so happy and put on all her clothes and, Mm-hmm. And everything, but but that, t- t- I I didn't I didn't really I picked up that mantle. See, with that type of, of response, of, that type of blessing. Now being the lead, the 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 matriarch of this of the family, the lead singer for this group. With that comes great responsibility, and and you know a lot of times there is no blessing without responsibility. And this has been, and now here we are, here we are in, in, in another. Things have taken another turn. I gotta tell you, the, the the pandemic for me, things that that I wish I had done before the pandemic got here. It 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 it's forced me to. <laughs> now I have a Facebook page. We have a website. <laughs> See, I didn't want to learn any of that stuff. I really didn't. I'm like, okay, I'm just happy going to these little churches and singing to these people and going <laughs> to the folk festival and singing. No, 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 no. Now. I got to learn how to do tomorrow. We're going to be doing a virtual uh, concert uh, in your ear. Their Facebook page is going to be streamed on in your ear and in Richmond uh, and on their and on their YouTube channel. We'll be doing something at 730 tomorrow night, a virtual concert. Because mm-hmm. I can't go out and meet the people, and so now I'm I'm out there on Facebook. I have an event page up, and I have, and and that's what I'm saying. See, when you are, you and I were trying to get the Zoom working. I gotta tell you, it it it's not going back to the way it used to be. So here's yeah. another responsibility. But I truly believe this is what Jesus meant when he told the disciples greater works than I'm doing will you be able to do and everybody's going huh who, who can do any greater works than Jesus can yeah you can because now I, where 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 I would reach a thousand people at a church 500 people 40 people at a church the, the thing goes over the internet now and and, and, and I got you know 12,000 likes and you know 12,000 people have seen this. You know how I many you know how many, you know, little small churches I'd have to go to 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 see twelve thousand people. Right. So a lot of
0: churches.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I gotta tell you, it it it's 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 been a it's it's a real it's been a real responsibility. I I I knew we would have responsibilities when I picked up mama's mantle, when I picked up the legacy and said, okay, we'll keep the legacy going. Because I she she asked us to do that. The last program that she was able to go out with us and, and uh, when she wasn't able to travel anymore, I I did. Uh, we had to go to Delaware and I didn't want to go without her. She said, no, you all go on. You're ready now. And uh, because I want you all to keep this going. And she said that to us. And, and, and I've tried to honor that. I've mm-hmm. tried to honor that. And that, that that's how we get to where we are today. I, I've tried mm-hmm. just to honor what I was asked to do. Um, after after I, I, I agreed, I said, okay, I'll, I'll do this. And and I got the final blessing. I was there for the final blessing from her. And, um, yeah. Uh, so Children do are. what they're told. Mm, mm. I, 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 I believe, <laughs> listen, listen, You. oh, my goodness. I've got grandchildren now that are in their... Uh, their 30s and oh my goodness and and now with the with Oprah and Dr. Phil and and uh yeah I, I get a I get a real hard line on that but um <laughs> that that's exactly what I did I I did I did what I and 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 I, not only just I guess that I was told to do it but then at some point you know I wanted to do it Mm-hmm. I wanted to do. I wanted to honor her in this way. And and here is what I said. Even, even if I because I, I'm I'm not doing this so that I can people are like, you've got you've got very big shoes to fill. And I'm like, no, all I have to do is walk in the shoes that I have on. And mm-hmm. if I just do what I'm supposed to do in in the shoes that I have on, whatever God has for me, I will, I will see that. I will see that come through. And and all I want to do is live a life. If I live a life like my mom did, that would honor God and that would be a blessing to others, then then I'll be okay. That's mm-hmm. all I want to do. That that if, if you can get those two things down, you'll you'll be okay.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about how you see diversity and inclusion in these folk festivals? Because um, being Working in the folk music world, there's been a lot of talk recently about how a lot of folk festivals and a lot of uh, folk organizations are pretty predominantly white spaces and, of course, like how these organizations would like to change that. But what does it look like from your perspective?
1: No, from from and and now and now you have to understand. Um, you're you're talking, you're talking from the perspective of not an organizer or not a planner, but someone who's been invited in from uh, from uh, from the perspective of the guest artists. Mm. And the the first things that we do, we we actually look at at the different. Oh my gosh, the the different genres that are that are presented. Mm. Um they had Chinese acrobat uh, oh. dancers and and I I've seen this at the Richmond Folk Festival. Uh, no, it, it 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 it's not it's not all it's it it's not all white. It, it really mm. is. It, it's a, a, a myriad of, of all cultures and, and trying to, trying to include them. It's only going to last a few days. And so they're trying to get as much as they can get mm. in, in just the few days that we're out there to, to actually, and, and then to showcase things that you may never have seen had you not come to the folk festival. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you we went to Serbia and Bulgaria in 2019 and yeah we were we were some of the only black folks that I saw there. So mm-hmm. <laughs> but we were received with oh my gosh we sang at a Jewish synagogue, we sang at a at a Catholic cathedral while we were there. We sang at one of the schools, we sang at some one of the cultural art centers. We sang, yeah, we were just it, it, it was it was an experience that we never would have gotten had we not, you know, done the traveling there. Well, everybody can't go overseas. So they bring they bring just just a little bit of it over here. And you can only cram so much of it into a, a four day festival or a three day or five day festival. Yeah. But but I truly believe that organizers and planners that they work extremely. Exceedingly, uh, they work exceedingly hard. John Loman and uh, uh, Folk Life, uh, Virginia Folk Life, uh, part of, of, of the Virginia Humanities, they have always worked so hard to see that we get as much as we can, as much as we can to to. Uh, they've got folk artists there. They've got people from other other countries there just to share. And so mm. I, I don't know. I don't know how the other people are seeing it, but I I see it on the rise where the world is actually getting smaller for us because we're seeing so much more of it. I believe there is a concerted effort, a, a, a an intentional effort to bring together even more cultures, even more uh, the diversity of, of, of cultures and, and the people um, in in those countries to bring them together so that they get to see us, we get to see them, and then they make time for us. We do workshops together. We, uh, you know, just not to hear you sing, but they even bring in things where you get to see other parts of people's culture. So hmm. it, it, you know, somebody makes violin. Somebody, somebody learns how to shuck oysters, um, you know, in West Point, Virginia, somebody just as much as they can do to say, listen, the the world is not that big a place and we want to we want to bring it. We want to bring it to you so that you're exposed, so that you're exposed to other cultures and and the way that other people think, the way that other people talk, the way that the the, the music of of other cultures, Mm. because it's not all three part harmonies and everything the way we do it. But you get an appreciation for it. You get an appreciation for it because it is part of who they are. It's what they've grown up with, just like I've grown up with the traditional gospel music.
0: Before we end, I was hoping that we could do something kind of fun called the sure. lightning round. Okay. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, what is your karaoke song? Killing me softly. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I bet that's so great. (laughs) Uh, Dogs or cats? Dogs. How do you take your coffee? Cream and sugar. What is your favorite junk food? Pork
1: rinds, fried pork rinds. Oh, this Mm. is easy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Favorite U.S. city? Mmm, Miami. First album you bought with your own money?
1: Marvin Gaye.
0: Whoa, that's Marvin
1: not- Gaye. I think was- he was in London somewhere live. It was a live Marvin Gaye
0: album. Ooh, yep, excellent. What was your first <laughs> concert?
1: Uh we were we were on stage in in Miami, Florida, with Aretha Franklin and the Mighty Clouds of Joy. And we were just little kids, but oh my la- gosh! Yeah, we were on stage. <laughs> we were on stage with Aretha Franklin, Edna Gallman, Cook, and the Mighty Clouds of Joy.
0: Was that in nineteen? Was it in nineteen sixty?
1: Lord, no, no, no! We were still in Florida. We were still in Florida. It was in a place called the Longshoreman's Hall down okay. by the river. Yeah.
0: Wow, that that's the best answer you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> What is the last book you read?
1: The Politics of Jesus by Obery
0: M. Hendricks, Jr. It's very on brand for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I'm a night owl. Would you rather be able to fly or be invisible? I'd rather be invisible. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Trek. And the last question, where is the most beautiful place you've ever visited?
1: The Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C.
0: Wow, interesting answer. That's crazy,
1: but it's true. It's wow. true. When I saw the paint, they've got a painting in there that looks like a newspaper, and I thought it was a newspaper. And then the the person that was the the person that was guiding us around, they said, "Nope, that's painted." And I'm wow. like, "Wow,
0: yeah, that's all like
1: <laughs> <laughs> little print, looks like newspaper print." you agree? "Yeah, that's a painting."
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, that was a really good lightning round. <laughs> You did very well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for for talking to me. You're such an inspiring, lovely person. I was so excited um you know, just really looking forward to this conversation. And you didn't let me down. (laughs) Thank you, Cindy. No, listen,
1: I, oh, listen, I, I'm always ready to do that because I've lived it because I've lived it. And I, and, and you can't go wrong when you, when you share who you are with people, there's a, there's a, there's a bit of vulnerability, vulnerability that comes through that Mm. with, with, Mm -hmm. with singing about your life and, Oh my goodness, goodness and, and sharing who you are with people, but there's there's no other reason to do it if you're not going to share who you are yeah. and and get, let them get to know you and, and and through their responses to you, you know you get to know them.
0: It, it's a oh, great feeling. You're so good at talking. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Thank you, Cindy. All
1: right. listen, let me know when the podcast plays.
0: Basic Folk, produced by Laura McCarthy this week. Lindsay Myers is our business manager. Alex Stanton of the band Townspeople composes our music. Basic Folk is proud to be on the American Songwriter Podcast Network. I'm Cindy Howes. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend. Subscribe, review, do all that. Uh, And you can find all of the episodes at our website, CindyHouse.net. And thanks. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye.